Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Central. How you doing? This is Dusty Rhodes and welcome to Tech Radio with all the latest in tech from around Ireland and across the world. However, you got our show for today by downloading from our website at techcentral.ie or using a smartphone podcast app or indeed listening on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Thank you so much for having us. This is our show for th- Friday, the 8th of April. Joining me as ever is Editor-in-Chief of Tech Central, Niall Kitson, to talk about the tech stories that have been grabbing our attention this week including what we reckon is a real smartwatch. Uh, Bots, are they the future? And I think the coolest new car in the world of technology in the history of man. But first, Niall, you and I had better watch out. Had we? Because (laughs) people can find out whether we are using Tinder or not. Oh, okay. Well, there is a short answer to that. Yeah, I know. I uh, no. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Listen, come on. At least let me pretend there's some excitement in my life. If you want to check if your partner is using Tinder, there's now a new app called uh, Swipe Buster. It's about a five or something like that. Uh, and you input your partner's name, uh, their email address and their location. And it will be able to tell you whether they are using Tinder or not. That'll spark up some interesting conversations, I should imagine. <laughs> Oh, uh, interesting choice of words at that. I, I say there are a lot of red faces over that. Uh, ooh, yeah. Let's get into the real news of the week. Uh, a real smartwatch. We have found a real genuine smartwatch. Tell me about this thing. What does it do? Uh, yeah, okay. This is the Liberty Watch by an Irish company called Watchovers. And one of the, one of the things about smartwatches is that uh, sometimes they can feel like technology for the sake of technology. That uh, yeah, have you seen anyone wearing an Apple Watch and you sort of go, eh, that's not really doing as much for you as you think it is, kind of a thing. It's not, it's not fashion. It's not sort of gadgets. A little bit for me, there's a little bit of attention still. Yeah. Um, however, the uh, Liberty Watch is kind of interesting in that it, it looks to solve a specific problem, and that is uh, keeping track of your loved ones whether they be very young or very old. And basically what this does is uh, it's a watch that comes with a SIM card and you download an app for your uh, iOS or your Android device and you can keep track of where the wearer of the watch is. You can do things like uh, set up alerts, like if they go beyond a specific area, you'll be sent an alert so you can contact them and just you know either tell them to go home or <laughs> is everything okay, that sort of thing. Uh, you can also make and receive calls with it. Um, the only thing I will say about it is that you know for kids, they, it is sort of by necessity a little bit of a chunky piece of equipment, but if you know a case, just put this on and go out and play. Uh, I think it's an excellent little solution. So, 140 euro in the stores. Liberty Smart Liberty Watch by Watchovers. Again, it's an Irish company. Go have a look at it. Okay, and the uh, the website is watchovers.com. Now, uh, Facebook are breaking ground on their new Irish data center. Good on them, and they've also announced uh, a big change to WhatsApp. Tell me what the change is, and I'll tell you why I'm surprised. Okay, right. Well, uh, WhatsApp, as we all know, I mean, Facebook bought WhatsApp for uh, like $22 billion. This was like possibly the biggest investment they'd ever done. And uh, WhatsApp is, it's an all-purpose messaging app. Now, I think it just started off with text, but now you can do calls, you can do emojis, you can do images. You know, pretty much send 
pretty much anything to anyone using WhatsApp these days. Uh, however, given the post-Snowden world that we're in, um, people are also very conscious of their security and what sort of information they're sending to people over what sort of connection. So there was a messaging app called Secret, which was quite popular during the, um, the Arab Spring a couple of years ago. Um, but now WhatsApp have actually added end-to-end encryption, which, which is something that iMessage uses as well. And it's basically, uh, I will say something and... I can, uh, under the old model, what I would say would get encrypted and I might sit in a server somewhere. Uh, End-to-end encryption means that I will send something that's encrypted. uh, Only the person at the other end of the message can read it. And WhatsApp in the middle, not not only can they not read it, uh, they don't store it. So it's literally, it's, it's encrypted at my end, it's encrypted at the reader's end, and that's it. There, there's nothing in the, in the middle hanging on to that message. Now, will I tell so, you? Well, that's I, the principle. Why are you interested in it? Uh, no, it's not that I'm interested. Is I'm surprised because uh, I thought WhatsApp did that already. Okay. And right. so I'm a little bit, actually, I, I'm more than a little bit, I'm really disappointed uh, that they are only announcing that they are doing that right now. And uh, it just brings me back to the old thing of I don't trust Facebook as far as I could throw them. And I think because WhatsApp is a Facebook-owned thing and because, you know, Facebook will probably just... You see, there's this whole secrecy thing and breaking into iPhones and stuff like that. I was saying it to somebody uh, today that if the authorities want to monitor your life, uh, they really only have to call Google, Microsoft, Apple, uh, Facebook. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like a handful of people and they will be able to track 80% of the uh, uh, of the planet. It's, it's a pretty short list, actually, an, an alarmingly short list. An alarmingly that, but you can short list, all right? And one of the things about, you know, kind of uh, WhatsApp, WhatsApp is based on another app called Signal. And Signal is a true end-to-end encrypted piece of software, uh, which does the same thing. It's text messaging over the internet, and it has always been uh, encrypted. And what I really like about Signal is that it's open source software, which means that anybody can go in and check the source of the uh, of of the software to make sure that it does what it's supposed to do. Whereas WhatsApp is not open source software, so you're not able to see what exactly is happening under the on, under the bonnet, so to speak. Okay, right. That's why and I, always that, being a Facebook company, you worry exactly, exactly. if uh, the messages that you're sending is being harvested for advertising purposes. Exactly. You don't know what they're doing with it or who they're passing it over to or who on the quiet is kind of tapping on their shoulder and saying, uh, we want that kind of information. I mean, and, you know, Facebook and Google and stuff like that, they say that they hand over uh, or they release information about uh, people's accounts that the authorities are looking for the information on. I wonder, do they actually reveal that to the person whose account it is? <laughs> oh, of course not. And, and that's part of what the EU is working on with their new data protection laws. Part of what they uh, want to introduce is not only um, uh, you can be told when you're being investigated, but also you know the breadth of information that is being sought about you and limiting that sort of information to uh, the specifics of an investigation and also for how long that investigation can hold on to that information for. Mm. So it's not just a case of I gave this to company X, it's got seven years. It's like it's not the same as giving it to investigation X and they can hang on to it for seven years. That's a pure 
fishing expedition, if you will. Mm. So um, that's that's a really interesting point. So there you go. That's why I don't trust... Uh, well, there's two reasons why I don't trust uh, WhatsApp. But that said, I use WhatsApp all the time because I'm just a normal person. I don't really have anything exciting in my life that I want to hide from anybody. <laughs> so I'm quite happy <laughs> to use it. And what it's brilliant for is group text messaging. So it's kind of... Maybe it's like the original Facebook or something like that. But we have a family uh, text group where there's like, you know, just six people from the family in on it. And when I send a text... Everybody, all six of us see it whenever we check. Yeah, out I, I have a similar arrangement, but I hmm. never have WhatsApp turned on. And the few times that I do turn it on, I get like 70 messages to get through. No, <laughs> I'm no. like, oh, I don't, I don't have time for this. I'm just <laughs> overwhelmed by it. <laughs> Not a family man. Not a kitten. All right, Grant. Listen, let's move on to uh, bots. Now, this is another interesting area that uh, we're kind of getting to in life. I think there's some potential in here. Uh, Microsoft made it a big part of their uh, presentation there last week or the, or, or the week before. Uh, sum up for us, because you're very excited about bots, Niall. What exactly is a bot? I, I kind of am. Uh, right, a bot is uh, an automated piece of software that will do a job for you. They've been with us since forever. Um, I, you know, I mean, you can automate tasks uh, in uh, Mac OS X, for example, mm. tasks that you do regularly. You can follow any number of bots on Twitter. You know, these are just sort of little algorithms that pull together information based on a hashtag or sometimes on an IP address, just very simple things. There's a, there's a great little account on Twitter that um, it's, a, it's a bot and it just posts um, links to Wikipedia entries that have been edited by IP addresses linked to the Irish government. Hmm. You know, bots, bots are out there and they do very quirky little things. Uh, now, we're, bots are becoming slightly more... Um, sophisticated and we're starting to give them proper names like Siri and Cortana. Uh, these, these are bots. Facebook Messenger, the idea is uh, down the road, it's going to become much more sophisticated as well. Um, so that will get bot status, similar with Google Now. Uh, and it's also arguable that you know every time you play you know a single player computer game, you're just playing against a bot. It's basically any sort of automated process. Now, uh, a messaging service uh, called Kick has come along. Uh, we wouldn't really know it so much over here, but it's basically, um, gosh, what, what would you say? It's, it's not quite Snapchat. It's uh, not quite WhatsApp, but uh, it, it goes along those lines. It's an instant messaging app. It's got 275 million users, mostly in the U.S. and mostly under the age of 24. Um, and it has gotten 16 partners together to do specific bots, specific branded bots. So, you know, Vine will have one. Um, you know, a couple of companies will invest in their own and uh, just little automated ways to get information. And if this sounds like an app, it, it pretty much is. Like, it's, it's apps without having the need to touch the screen. So in the same way that you can say to Siri, compose an email or Google Now, um, you know, where is my nearest restaurant kind of a thing. We're now going to see smaller bots with similar functionality. So very much just taking on the, the kind of roles that we would have with apps now. So maybe where you would say, you know, Siri, book me a hotel. You might go hotels.com. Give me the best price on a hotel in Dublin right now. And your hotel.com app or bot will open up and tell you that. So there's a couple of different perspectives on the internet at the moment, you might have noticed. I mean, there's the internet as we know it now, and that's, that's all fine. Then people talk about the internet of things, uh, which is fine, which is designed about getting the computer sort of out of that um, uh, sort of uh, link of command where you just have things talking to things and you don't really have to do anything about it. Uh, then you have the internet of screens, 
where you're sort of navigating around from one device to another. Uh, and now you have bots, which is sort of the the internet of no screens, if you want to look at it that way. I mean, you, you know, you've got like people talking to software that will talk to other software to get things done that you ordinarily would have had to use a computer for. So again, it's just another way to get the computer out of the productivity equation, if, if you will. So could you imagine going to something like a Microsoft Office bot and then just dictating a Word document and then saying email that to? Uh, I'm sure there's an awful lot of overlap on these functions for things that can be done now, but if you want it to be sort of app-specific, you will have that functionality built into it. So that's why I'm quite quite excited about bots because also it's a very uh, a very simple use of artificial intelligence uh, and you know who doesn't want to see that become mainstream are you convinced dusty do you know what you make a very very convincing argument uh, a good point well made as a, uh, as they would often say and actually i think microsoft agree with you because a lot of what microsoft was talking about was to use bots as a, uh, a consumer interface so uh, one of the things that i would find with it because i use a myriad of different phone companies and, uh, and and communications companies for our communications and work and quite often i forget well what are the call costs <laughs> <laughs> and what I found myself <laughs> using is, you know, when you go to a website and there's a little thing like, you know, uh, talk to us or how can we help you? I've started yeah. using that a little bit more and I would just tap into that. I need to make a call to such and such a country how much uh, per minute on my plan. And because I'm already logged in and stuff like that, they come back a, c- a couple of seconds later and they go, that's two cent per minute. Now, is that a bot answering that question or a I don't know. call center? I don't know, but it's the kind of thing that a bot should easily be able to do. So I think what mm. you're saying about bots, they're not doing anything that's really surprising, but at the moment, the way we're interacting with bots is via a screen or a keyboard. And what you're talking about is getting away from that and perhaps having a bot built into a car. How's this for a sat-nav for you, okay? So uh, you would be driving along and you would say, uh, you know what, car, I need to get to the nearest petrol station. And then the car verbally will go, no problem. Take the next right. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Okay. And off you go and you take the next right and then say, uh, on the second left, uh, pull over, whatever. And it gives you the directions like that. Mm. You know, I, yeah, maybe that kind of thing. I think that's exciting. Listen, speaking of cars, can we talk really quickly because we've got a good interview coming up uh, now in a second uh, about the Telsa car. Uh, they've just revealed the, uh, the Model 3. Um, did you see any of the videos? Are you excited about this? Do you care? Okay, well, there, there's a couple of questions there. Bear, bearing in mind that I'm not a motorist and, and have no idea how a so car So the works. answer is um, no, then. Is that what you're saying? Well, no. The answer <laughs> is yes. Because as somebody that doesn't own a car or drive, I, uh, cars are my enemy most of the time. They're trying to ah. run me over whenever I'm, at a, whenever I'm crossing the road. Right. So, um, you know, my, my perspective on them is quite objective. Well, um, yeah, so Tesla, the, the great electric car, the great white hope of, of personal transport, um, there is uh, pre-orders have gone out for the uh, affordable, uh, in inverted commas, Model 3, uh, which will be retailing at $35,000 to start. So, you know, once you add on the bells and whistles and all that sort of thing, I'm sure you're well into the 40s. That stage. Mm. Now, that is significantly cheaper than the Model S, which is the current model, which is $76,000. So this is kind of the budget Tesla, if you will. Um, I quite like the interior. It doesn't look like an interior of any car you've seen before. It looks like basically a 10-inch iPad um, beside a steering wheel. 
and that's your display. Uh, and I think that's kind of cool. It looks very, it all looks very comfortable. It's got a nice big um, sunroof. It's got a range of 346 kilometers on a single charge. So you can you can traverse Ireland on a single charge, basically. Uh, yes, but I don't think you'd be able to traverse back again. That's that's the problem. But <laughs> that is that is true. But they're working on it. I think the two big problems that they need to get over are range and also charging time. Because uh, if you have a special, super fast charging unit at home, it'll still take you four and a half hours to charge the car for a run across Ireland. Um, which, of course, you know, it absolutely looks pathetic when it's when you think it takes you three minutes to fill a car with petrol. Um, or yeah. if you're working on the American voltage system, uh, it's going to take you fifty-two hours to fully charge the car from a normal socket. So. So I think they've got those two problems to get over. But you know what? This car, as they have uh, announced it, and at that price, it's a huge leap forward. There's still a long way to go, but it's a huge leap forward. And it's definitely the only way we can't really talk about it on radio. Uh, but definitely, if you want to do a YouTube search for uh, Tesla Model 3, check it out. I think you'll enjoy it. For now, though, that's the uh, news for this week. No, thank you very much. This is Tech Central, your weekly tech podcast from Ireland's techcentral.ie. It's pretty fair to say that since we all got online in the 90s, it's really changed how we interact, uh, how we work, how we shop and, and how we buy things. Now, some businesses have adapted brilliantly, but the vast majority haven't. So 10 years ago, two guys set up a business to help businesses attract and engage with people in a way that made sense and fit our lives without being spammy about it. Uh, the company is called Hubs, HubSpot. And earlier this week, they announced 340 new jobs in Dublin to add to their existing 200 employees in the city here in Ireland. Who are they? What makes their use of the internet so unique? And Niall was at their launch on Monday at HubSpot to find out more. I've come out to the offices of HubSpot to meet with the uh, new MD for Europe, the Middle East and Asia, Christian Kinnear. Um, and Christian, HubSpot has announced a fairly uh, significant investment in Dublin at the moment. So can you tell us a little bit about um, what's going on in terms of expanding the team and also about uh, what HubSpot does? Because it's probably safe to say that this is a company people have had contact with but probably don't know they have. Sure, yeah. Um, so... Today we've announced a further 320 jobs, Dublin-based roles, in our EMEA headquarters here in Dublin. Um, to this point, we've been hiring in the last three years from a standing start. We have almost 200 people already, um, so this will get us up to the 500-employee mark over the next three years. Uh, the roles will be across all functions, so sales, marketing, services, support, and indeed our product engineering team, who have been central to quite a lot of our, our product initiatives. Um, as to what we do, uh, HubSpot is an inbound marketing company. We've coined the phrase inbound marketing for uh, existence for about 10 years now. Um, we are centered out of Cambridge, just outside of Boston in the US. And inbound marketing, essentially, it's a platform that we provide with services wrapped around to allow marketers to really turn their website into a magnet. So looking to attract people to your site through your website performance itself, through SEO, uh, through blog posts, through social, uh, and ultimately once they arrive to try and manage and nurture that experience using, again, the, the CMS and also through email automation. So the attraction and nurturing of those individuals to turn visitors into effectively sales. So are, are we looking at sort of that often used and little understood term sort of content marketing? 
Yeah, very much content is at the heart of it. Um, there's quite a few pieces and mechanics around how do you best use that content and how does it best serve your needs uh, from campaign design and trying to have a more holistic view as a marketer. Um, the challenge for small to medium-sized businesses and marketers is they're being asked to try and understand multiple products, multiple platforms, and trying to coordinate those activities at any given time. That's very difficult to do. Um, HubSpot allows them to do that in one interface um, and allows to really coordinate and complement the activities that they're doing. So, yes, it's about content, and content is the biggest attraction factor, um, but it's also how you manage that content and how it complements all the other things that you're doing. So one of the things that uh, companies might find when they're putting together their marketing spend is this balance between you know straightforward advertising and using other methods to bring people to the site, if, it, if it's blog posts, if it's lists, if it's this kind of thing. Uh, how do you find people are looking at that balance now? Are people looking at things that you know, we can do an awful lot more in-house than we thought? Or are people still thinking, do you know what, we probably need a journalist to come in and do this? You know, what kind of balance are we looking at? So I think there's, there's a few things. The, the biggest challenge for marketers ROI, they're trying to understand where they're investing their time or spend and what kind of return they'll get from that. Uh, some of the traditional methods are difficult to track and the ROI is difficult to attribute to those. Um, the platform we have has embedded analytics and reporting, so it's very easy and quick and simple to understand the return, uh, allowing people to pivot their activities into the right place. The content piece and the creation part, uh, we liken our our platform a little to like a gym membership, so you can sign up, but you need to put in that time. You have to have the commitment of working at it continually uh, over a period of time to build content. But the creation of content itself is something that is actually surprisingly simple for our, our prospects. We have a 90-day handover where we hold people's hand, make sure they're thinking about the right content, creating the right type of content, and we'll work with them to do so, to get them up and running. Uh, But effectively, if you can have a conversation about your business with somebody, then you can write content. It's just a matter of putting it down. Uh, Perhaps some people would like some uh, editorial view of that, Um, but the essence of your story is the one people want to hear. So if you can tell a story about your business, then you can certainly write content. And uh, you mentioned analytics there. To, To which extent are people relying on analytics to tailor their company story? Very much so. So I think the one of the bugbears and one of the challenges of marketers for a long, long time has been them they being able to understand their business themselves and also to tell that story internally and make some quick decisions. Um, a lot of the attribution of spend has been quite difficult to, to connect back. Um, our analytics will cover across all of those mediums, both the our own product and some external products. So if you're integrating them through the platform. So the the idea of which type of social media is working for you or not, or which message is working, uh, A-B testing of content, um, email campaigns, and understanding the sequencing of those campaigns, all these elements are quite difficult for a small and medium-sized marketer to understand. But the tool will deliver all that information to your fingertips, allowing you to very quickly change and do more of what works, and equally to stop investing your time somewhere if it's not working. And do you find that uh, companies uh, do get blinded by the, the newest, the latest platforms, especially in social media, when you can go back to the idea of the, the email newsletter and it can be just as, if not more effective, if you have that pre-existing base? Yeah, I, I think one of the things that we, we talk about quite extensively is that within your, your prospect funnel or sales funnel, there's different elements. There's the top of funnel, which is the new visitors and new people who are coming to, to visit you frequently, and there's middle of funnel. I think the middle of funnel management is where email plays a key part. Once you have those contacts identified, um, you can manage those to some degree, and depending on what tools you use to effectively manage them, 
But the reality is that pool of existing contacts will diminish over time. It's just the nature of, of database. The key part for us is we integrate both the top and middle of funnel. So we will certainly help to manage that middle piece. Um, but the top of funnel is vital. And anyone who looks to grow their business understands that piece of attracting visitors at the very top of funnel is vital. Um, we'd see both of those as key components, not, not separate at all. Uh, so just to talk about HubSpot then and its relationship with Dublin on a, a much wider level, um, it's only been here three years and it started with a very modest team, but now it, its Dublin input has really stretched globally. Tell us a little bit about the company story that way. Yeah, sure. So uh, as you said, we came here three years ago. We had um, ambition at the time to grow a business which could be a beachhead in our international. So Dublin was our first international office outside of the U.S., um, the ambition we had at the time was to start fulfilling a demand that was already there. So we were in some ways being pulled into the market by Europe and EMEA understanding what HubSpot does. So those early evangelists were looking to be supplied through a European operation. Um, the growth we had from then onwards has been phenomenal. So we've grown our sales function uh, significantly and as associated the services and support functions have all grown as well. Um, one thing that we're particularly proud of is the product engineering team. Um, the product engineering for HubSpot in EMEA actually builds and ships product that is globally significant. So we're designing and building core product here, uh, which is quite unlike some of our contemporaries. Um, from a growth perspective, from a relative standing start, we're now contributing internationally. We're contributing 25% of the revenue number for HubSpot. Uh, the growth of our international business is outstripping our overall business, so we're growing at more than 77% year over year. Um, our global number is about 55%, so we're definitely the growth engine for the business. EMEA is leading that, um, and with the market opportunity ahead of us, we can only see ourselves becoming even more significant contributors to the business. Uh, one of the issues this sort of uh, means that you have to confront with such a rapid and large expansion is the issue of the talent of the talent pool, we hear quite an awful lot that the jobs are there, but the skills aren't there, or maybe the skills don't even exist in some cases to carry out functions that are needed. Uh, how is HubSpot tackling this particular issue? So I think from a few angles, um, in terms of the, the profiles that we're looking for and, and the requirements for people to come and work with us, we lean heavily on the type of person, the type of individual. We have uh, what's quite famous, HubSpot's Culture Code has had more than 2 million views, which gives a real good flavor of the type of person that will work well here. Um, that's paramount to us. The key skills, depending on the role, there are certainly some roles that require core skills. Um, we found it very easy to hire the product engineering team. I think Dublin has a growing reputation for those core technical skills. Uh, languages, I think, in Ireland and Dublin specifically is a challenge, looking for those international languages in fluency with Irish um, native speakers or Irish native folks. Um, we found, though, that the pool of talent is here. So for sure, within a two-mile radius of where we are here on the docks, um, there is a vast array of talent who have digital skills and language skills. So one of the things we'll seek to do is to leverage our power of attraction that's in our DNA and look to attract those folks to come join us here. Um, equally, Dublin is a strong magnetic pull for people in Europe looking to come and, and come for the two to five year window or perhaps longer to hone their digital skills, gain an experience and maybe repatriate back to country. So the brand of Dublin does a lot of the heavy lifting for us as well. It's really just about refining that last mile of are they people who might fit the roles we have and is, does it feel like a good culture fit? It's a very interesting point you raised there about sort of Dublin as a magnet and culture, specifically when you look at digital firms and, lar and multinational digital firms that are either large or scaling up, where particularly in the tech sector, culture seems so important and um, 
perhaps because you're dealing with young workforces all the time. Uh, having come from uh, just over the river with Google, mm-hmm. how do you find that cultures are morphing? Are they bringing American values that are working very well in Ireland or is it the Irish take on American values? Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting question. I think the the way I've looked at it is, and this may or may not be a good analogy to use, but there is a... A, a vanilla flavoring that comes from some of our headquarters, and I, I speak of Google even predating that with Oracle and now with HubSpot, where there's a, a formula that works particularly well, and the businesses are built on strong foundations of, of success. The requirement of setting up a site in Dublin is to add the local flavor, so add the EMEA or European flavor to that. Um, I think all of our headquarters and, and HubSpot, and equally with Google, understand that there's a playbook that comes from the U.S. that needs to be modified or should have some local flavoring to it in order for it to, to best fit with the market. Um, hence, we hire people from in the countries themselves, both the Irish folks here and also the Europeans that come in, play a role in localizing that playbook. And that's one of the big attractions, I think, for somebody who's, again, at a early or middle stage of their career, being given exposure to that responsibility to come and effectively tailor a German or French or Spanish or Italian version of our playbook. Um, it's really exciting. It's very interesting for them. It's a big challenge for, for companies as they go international. Um, but we lean heavily on the quality of our staff. We hire people who are amazing individuals and we rely on them to do that localization for us. Excellent. Thank you, Christian. Thanks. And that was Niall Kitson talking to Christian Kinnear, HubSpot's Managing Director for Europe, Middle East and Asia. Now, just before we go this week, Niall, what's our one more thing, the one story online that we just couldn't squeeze into the show? Yeah, well, uh, for any fans of the iPhone, the iPhone 6, uh, the 6 Plus, and now the SE, I've got some pretty bad news for you, uh, and I'm only going to drop one more word on this, and it is Ben Gage. You can get more on that at all of the Irish tech news stories with hourly updates, daily newsletters, and more from techcentral.ie, as well as our weekly tech radio show online, and every Friday at 6pm on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1X. Until next week, for myself, Dusty Rhodes, and from Niall Kitson, take care. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by DigitalAudioProductions.com. Tech Central.